What's up? What's up? It's Raphael, NBA Draft Junkies. Back again, I got another guest for today, Chase Hamas. I've been speaking with him through email, and he, he sent me his, his big board. His is a little bit different than, uh, than others because he, he made player comparisons. And I like the player comparisons, but I'm also kind of scared of them because, you know, if you're wrong, people will, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be in your neck. And, and the most famous one I can think of is, you know, remember on NBADraft.net, they compared Deshaun Stevenson to Michael Jordan. And so that was a crazy comparison. Um, and I see that he's a Charlotte fan. So I, I'll go ahead and answer this question. I've had a lot of people ask me this question about these shoes in the background. So, um, so I'm a big Jordan 1 fan. Like the black toe Jordan ones are my favorite Jordans, right? And so I want to say it was maybe 2014, I want to say All-Star Weekend was in New Orleans. And um, I had went to All-Star Weekend. And so uh, I had a friend of mine that played in the NBA and then his stylist, um, she helped find all his shoes and his sneakers. So I called her. She's like, you in New Orleans? And I was like, yeah. She was like, hey, come to this Jordan brand party with me. And mm -hmm. so she's like, I got a plus one. So I went, I went with her and then they had this, um, this competition in a sense to where if you, you can design your own Jordan one and if you win, they will, uh, you know, you can possibly have your own shoe made and it may go into production or whatever. So that was when the Charlotte, they were the Charlotte Bobcats at the time, but they were transitioning to the Hornets maybe the next year or the year after. So all I did was I said, well, you know what? I'm gonna create a black toe Jordan one and I'm gonna flip the colors into Charlotte Hornets colors. And, you know, didn't think anything of it. And then I ended up doing like some influencer work for Jordan brand to mm -hmm. where like whenever like some CP3s or Blakes came out, they would ask me to go to like New York and play in them. Just mostly the performance shoes. And then they would give me a bunch of Jordan gear. So it was cool. I, I would play basketball with like different shoe editor or bloggers. Um, dang, I can't think of the guy's name. Uh, what's the guy's name that used to be on ESPN? He's on Fox now. He's always talking about his sources. Oh, Chris Broussard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on my team one game, and he, he can hoop. <laughs> Chris was shot really? in the game. Yes. <laughs> yes, he can hoop. Uh, it was him. I mean, but, you know, a lot of guys that, you know, if you're in the sneaker culture that, that are pretty famous, you know, they would go to these different events in New York. I actually went to one in L.A. So long story short, to my surprise one day, I was actually living in Los Angeles that next year. Um, and I, I came home for All-Star break. I live in Dallas. I came home for Dallas and All-Star break. And I had like all these shoe boxes piled up at my door. Thankfully, I live in a, you know, a safe apartment. Nobody stole them. And so when I opened the box, bang, it was these shoes. And they sent me a letter. You probably can't read it. But yeah, they, the Jordan brand liked my shoe and they specifically made it for me and, and, and my That's size. Good. It's a one of one. Nobody has the shoe. And I, yeah, I keep getting DMs saying, "Hey, I, I've been looking for that shoe. What's the name of it?" But yeah, so 
that's it. So I said I'd have to say this. Um, it's a Charlotte Hornets colorway, Jordan 1. I guess the colors aren't exactly accurate in a sense. I guess they were so more so the colors of the, the Hornet, the, the first time they wore those colors. I think they've changed it up a little bit since then. But yeah, so when I saw you with the Charlotte Jordan shirt, I thought, okay, maybe I'll finally go ahead and and explain to them like this shoe. No, it's not a fake shoe that I have bought from a bootlegger that I'm posting it up. But yeah, it's my own personal shoe and I'll never wear it. So but yeah, that's the story. So anyway, the real reason why we're here is to discuss your your big board, but I like the fact that, like I mentioned earlier, you have player comparisons on your big board. So who is the number one player on your big board? So number one, I have LaMelo. Um, my comparison for him was, I don't think it's a great comp, but it's Penny Hardaway and like a 6'8 Trey Young. And the only reason why I say that is because I, I buy his jumper a little bit. I think even though he didn't shoot, he shot, I think, 25% from three this year. I think he can, if he gets, a, like, a better base on his jump shot, gets better footwork, I think he can be a little bit more consistent, get up there into, like, the 35% range maybe and on a high high volume, like, around eight attempts per game, something like that. And, I mean, he has the ability to knock down deep threes like Trey does, in my opinion. It's just I think the shot, shot selection isn't there yet. And... Yeah, I think it's mostly just a shot selection thing for him, like Trey was at Oklahoma. Well, I, I feel like all right, I can deal with somewhat bad shot selection yeah. if you're a sniper. Yeah, that's true. So with Trey, even though his shot selection at Oklahoma, I mean, it was questionable, but you knew that he was capable of running off five, six in a row. Yeah. And even now in the NBA, I, I, my question for him coming in was, is there an NBA team that's going to allow him to have that same type of freedom to do what he wants and to not necessarily defend, but, you know, just play with so much freedom. And yeah, I was wrong. I didn't think a team would. But the Hawks have allowed him to do what he does best, you know, live with his, his shot selection. Which, I mean, I think that you have to. I don't know if you can really, like, put him in a box or kind of give him too much structure because he's at his best. He's most dangerous when he's freestyling. So I think LaMelo is very similar to that. Um, I am curious to see if there is a team that's going to give him the same amount of freedom. But the difference to me is that I feel like, you know, uh, Trey Young is a much better shooter. Yeah. So I, my question is, are you going to give him that type of freedom with shot selection to pull up jumpers early in the shot clock if he's not efficient? But yeah. if he is efficient, then he is a bigger Trey Young. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and I just – I don't know if he's ever going to get to that level, which is why I'm kind of skeptical on it. I can't – I couldn't really find a great one for him. I think another one could be, like, maybe SGA a little bit. Yeah, um, I mean, I would lean more towards upside of – the, the penny tray, best case scenarios. Um, I think yeah. Gilgis Alexander's, he's, I think he's more of a, a two, a combo, yeah. than actually one. Um, but then again, I mean, we've always seen him, you know, like when he was with the Clippers. I guess he played some point there, but in Oklahoma yeah. City, they he had like a three point like guard. Yep. Yeah. 
All right. Number two, who's your number two player and, and your comparison? So I have Anthony Edwards too. And I think my comparison for him, like his ultimate ceiling, I think is like Donovan Mitchell. I think his like realistic comparison is probably Zach Levine, just because I think he lacks like that feel that Zach Levine does on defense. He's a good, I think Edwards is a, a, a good on-ball defender. I think his problems mostly off-ball and just mostly a feel thing, much like his offensive game. He's not really a great playmaker. Doesn't really get other guys involved. Just looks for his, his own shot mostly. So I think he's kind of similar to Zach Levine in that aspect. So you're saying like your best case scenario is Donovan Mitchell, but yeah, Zach Levine would probably be your, you know, you think the more realistic comparison? Yeah. Something what like that, is yeah. your what is your floor? Like, what is your basement for him? Ooh, that's a good question. Because I know you mentioned, like, Deion Waiters before. I don't know if it's that low. Um, uh, maybe, like, JR. Yeah, but even then, him in Denver is – he was so good in Denver. I don't know if – Yeah, people forget that JR in Denver – yeah. Was and I I've mentioned it probably before. I had a chance once to watch J.R. Smith play pickup. And it mm-hmm. was NBA All Stars there. Kevin Durant was there. Uh Carmelo, obviously. This was like 2014. Kimball Walker. Mm-hmm. And J.R. Smith and pickup is unbelievable. Oh yeah, I can believe it. Yeah. There's so much me. stuff that, you know, he was athletic. One of the things I noticed that he could do that I've only seen maybe one or two other people do is that he could pivot both ways. Like he had a left pivot game, he had a right pivot game. But one of the things about JR is he settled into a role as more so just a, a shooter yeah. and a, a, you know, a floor spacer. I mean, that's what he's pretty much known for. But I think that he really could, if you ever like played for a bad team, he could have been a guy that they ran the offense through, pick and rolls. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's there's a lot he can do, but he just kind of accepted a role as a shooter. And, and I mean, maybe it's helped his career. I mean, maybe he would have been a guy that averaged 25 points a game on a really bad team, and he would have got a reputation as a loser in a sense. But I can somewhat see the, the J.R. Smith comparisons. I'll just say if, uh, if Edwards goes to Minnesota, if he could – potentially be like JR in a way that they already have Russell and Cat, and maybe he's just like more of an off-ball guy more so than on the ball and running the offense through him. And see, I don't know if that's best fitted a, a good role for him yeah. because he needs the ball in his hands. I mean, I think that's when he's most effective. I yeah. think the transition for JR was a little easier because he could shoot. He was a really yeah. good catch-and-shoot off-the-ball scorer. Um, I think Edwards really struggled. I, I can't remember off the top of my head the numbers, but they weren't really good as far as him shooting off the catch. Yeah. All right, let's go down to number three. You have uh, Killian Hayes. And who is your player comp for Killian Hayes? So this isn't a great – I don't feel great about this one either, but it's pretty pretty basic D'Angelo Russell. I think he's a little bit more explosive, and I think he's a lot better defender than Russell is. But their offensive games are pretty similar. They can both – I mean, Russell's a little bit better three-point shooter, but I, I think in a couple of years he'll be about the same offensive player that Russell will be if he hits the ceiling. Yeah, I like the comparison. They're both left-handed. 
Um, I thought D'Angelo Russell was going to be an incredible passer coming out of Ohio State as far as his vision. Not saying that he's not. He seems yeah. like he's more so of a scorer now than, um, than like, playmaker for others. But, yeah, I mean, to me, that's, that's my best comparison. They're both left-handed. They're both not necessarily going to blow by you off the dribble. I think D'Angelo Russell is always going to need a screen. He's not going to really just get to the rack one-on-one. I think Killian yeah. is probably – better at getting to the basket at this stage. Um, Russell was definitely a better shooter at the same stage. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, but yeah, I mean, I like that comparison. I think it's as close as you can come. My brother, uh, shout out to James, he thinks that um, Killian could be like Goran Dragic in a sense. He mm-hmm. sees some comparisons. I don't see the first step. You know, Dragic has... I mean, he's such an aggressive attacker. Yeah. And, and his first step is, you know, he, it's underrated, but he gets there. He's so physical. I don't know if Killian is there yet, but maybe he could develop into that. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a pretty good, a pretty good comparison. I agree with it 100%. All right, now with number four, here's another comparison I agree with as far as, like, a ceiling. And uh, it is uh, Devin Vassell. And, who is your comparison for Vassell, best case scenario? So before before I came on, I was thinking about moving Vassell down a little bit because I saw that that <laughs> workout video yesterday, and I'm just, yes. oh, man, that looks rough. But uh, I, I hope – I saw somewhere that said that they were just playing around at the end of yeah. the workout. I hope that's the case. <laughs> but yeah. if he changed his form on his jump shot to look like that, He's yeah. definitely – I don't know. That That would be almost as strange as Markel Fultz. Yeah, didn't didn't Michael Bridges do that too after like a couple years in Phoenix? Didn't he change his jumper? I want to say it sounds familiar, but I, I mean, definitely it wasn't like that though. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why people with good jumpers in college are changing, their, are changing it, if he did change it, which we'll see. But I gave him a, a ceiling comp of Paul George – which is obviously high, especially if his jumper's like that. But um, I think if his handle improves, if he becomes more of a lead ball handler, put, puts a little bit more weight on, like 10 to 15 more pounds, I think he can get there eventually. But I think a more realistic one's probably like Chris Middleton, something like that. Even then, that's – I mean, that's a really good player. That's an all-star caliber player, so – I'm pretty high on him. I just don't know if his ball handling doesn't get there. I think he's just more of like a catch and shoot guy. Yeah. Just like a complimentary role player pretty much. Yeah, I feel like I, 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 I'm pretty high on him and I'm high on his upside. I've been on record of saying his best case scenario is like a, a Paul George. Um, he has a ways to go as far as like the ball handling and, you know, the creativity as far yeah. as, like, getting to the basket. Um, but I also wonder is the reason why he doesn't attack their paint is because he's so skinny. Yeah. He's, he's not ready for that type of contact. I wonder if he'll be a better slasher with added weight and then NBA floor spacing. So, yeah, I, I'm high, and this is pre-behind-the-head Tory Lane's jump shot-looking video. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that would be my comparison. I, I think the Middleton one is pretty good. To me, like his baseline or his, I think like his floor would be like a Paul, not Paul, but 
Trevor Ariza type. Yeah, where yeah I think if he's just a defender, catch and shoot guy, athletic guy on the open floor. So yeah, I mean, I think he's well. You know what? Before that video, he was my safest pick. <laughs> but yeah. now after seeing that video, yeah, you know, I got to think twice about that. That was that was pretty crazy. Yeah, I was. I looked at that and I was just like, wow. I don't know. If, and maybe it's because he was shooting like a really like a pretty deep three. And I saw another comment that was like he's shooting a deep three. Like, but I don't know. Even then, I don't know. It still kind of worries me a little bit, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it looked like he was launching a medicine ball from behind his head. Yeah, it did. I All saw right. Kevin O'Connor like said that on Twitter. Yeah, it, it was man. That was that was ugly. Did you ever see that video where Tory Lanez was playing basketball with some friends? Same exact jump shot. <laughs> Same exact jump shot. All right, number five. And this is uh, unique. I, I never thought about this, but it makes somewhat sense to me. Um, who was your company? First of all, you got Onyeka Okongu as number five on your big board. And who was your player comparison for Okongu? I'm a younger guy, but um, it's Antonio McDice. Like, I think he was on, like, the Pistons and his prime mostly. Denver. But I think they're very similar players. I don't think I, I see the band comparison with a, a Kongwu a lot. I just don't know if he's ever going to get to that level of passing. I mean, Bam's like the second or third best passing big in the league. I don't know if he ever gets there. I think he can be a good passer, but I don't know if he's ever going to, you know, you're ever going to run the offense through him like you do with Bam. Yeah. But it's I interesting mean, because. McDice, all right. If yeah, if this was, I think he has a night like McDice was in a '95 draft class. So mm -hmm. if this were 15 years ago, Okongu was definitely a four. Yeah, he is like a McDice comparison. But then, like in today's NBA, he's he's gonna be a five more than likely. I don't know some people still see him as a four. I mean, he played with another big and in college. I think he's a pure five. But McDice would be a five in, yeah. in today's NBA. Yeah, I mean, young McDice, when he was in Denver, man, talk about high flyer, above the rim. And then towards the end of his career, he was more so of a catch-and-shoot guy, or, you know, kind of like a pick-and-pop guy. He had yeah. a pretty good jump shot within the, uh, you know, inside the three-point line. Um, injuries kind of robbed him of his, yeah. of his uh, you know, his ceiling in a sense, but McDice was, you know, he made a lot of money, <laughs> but was a really good player. So yeah, I, that's a very yeah. interesting combination. I think a Kongwu, he can, I think he can develop into a pretty good shooter though. Yeah. More so, I think he can be a little bit, maybe a slightly better shooter than Bam in a couple of years, which I mean, I think Bam still has a lot of room to grow on offense, but I think he's more of like a scorer than Bam will be and less of a passer. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Bam is we didn't know Yeah. at Kentucky. No one he had all this in his toolbox. So, well, only time will tell. Because I, I feel like Okongo probably showed more skills, overall skills, at USC than Bam showed at Kentucky. And so, um, yeah, I mean, if – I don't know if Bam always had him or if Miami just Unleashed gave him some player badges. <laughs> they <did> something. <laughs> I don't know, but they they turned him into 
they they did something special. And uh, yeah. you know, in a redraft, he definitely goes a whole lot higher than what he was selected. All right, here we go. This is uh, this is the highest I've seen. So you got Tyrese Maxey at number six. I think uh, my guy Alex had Tyrese at number seven. Those was the mm-hmm. highest. Tyrese, he's now like um, joining Obi Toppin as far as guys with like the widest range. So I've seen Tyrese in the high 20s. I've seen him in the low 20s. And now I've, I've, in the last week, I've seen two guys have within the top seven. So who is your comparison for Tyrese Maxey? So I I changed my list up a little bit, but I'm pretty sure I had like Lou Williams and uh, I think his ultimate ceiling, like ultimate, ultimate ceiling would be like Bradley Beal. I don't, I don't think he gets there. I think he's more of like a, like a Lou type or just like, I don't, I don't even know another good like scoring point guard. Just like. Well, here's one. What do you think about? I guess like a poor man's Jamal Murray, maybe. I can see that with Kentucky. What do you think about Drew Holiday? I could see that because he he's an underrated defender. He can get after on defense. Yeah, he, I don't think he. I mean, like Holiday is a point, but he can play the two. Yeah, he can pretty much play in any backcourt next to anybody. And so, um, you know, I, I always thought maybe like Lou Wild and a friend of mine. He mentioned that if he were his agent, then he would have him watch a lot of Drew Holiday film and try to, mm-hmm. you know, tell him to develop his game like Drew Holiday. So that, yeah, would, that would be, that. you know, a pretty good comparison. Yeah, I can definitely see that, especially if he doesn't like, I mean, Drew can handle the ball, obviously, but if he doesn't become like a lead ball handler, I think that's a more realistic come for him. All right. So... Let's see. Uh, so what about the Colin Sexton comparison? What is your thoughts on Sexton? I like Sexton a lot. I think that coming into the league, his shooting was somewhat of a question, and he's developed into a really good shooter quietly yeah. and, uh, and, and a very efficient scorer. Like, if you yeah. would have told me Colin Sexton was going to be an efficient scorer in year two, I would have been like, nah, I can see him putting up the, you know, the points per game. I just didn't think that he would be efficient. And so shout out to Colin Sexton for putting in the work on his jump. Yeah. Because he Yeah, was, I mean he's shooting like forty I think he's like forty three percent from three this year or something. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy. I think he's uh I still think KPJ is probably the best player on that team. I'm the highest on him probably, but I'd say he can be like on a good team, like a 20-point-per-game score, probably around there, Colin Sexton. All right, this is a little bit off-subject. Biggest difference between Kevin Porter Jr. and Anthony Edwards? Mm-hmm. Talent for talent, skill for skill. I don't really see a major difference. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was a huge Kevin Porter Jr. guy last year. I had him top five, but, yeah, I don't really see a major difference between the two. I don't either. I, I, I don't either. And that's why I mentioned before, the intel on Kevin Porter Jr. must have been really, really bad. There had to have been something major. Other than, I mean, well, he came off the bench at USC. On paper, his numbers weren't as good. He didn't have, like, the total freedom that Edwards had. But talent for talent, skill for skill, I just don't see why one guy is projected to go number one and why one guy was the last pick or second, late, very late in the first round, 
in another draft. So to me, it, it just makes me wonder, was it basketball related or, or, or just something that we didn't know about? Because yeah, Kevin Porter Jr. has the goods, man. He's, oh, yeah, he's really good. I'm excited to see what he becomes in the next couple of years. Yeah, definitely. All right, number seven, you got Patrick Williams. And now here's the, the tough one. He's, he's tough to find a comparison for, so. Yeah, I'd say, like, maybe Jonathan Isaac, but I don't feel great about that because Isaac's just such a good defender. He's, like, one of the best combo forward wings in the league. I don't know if Williams gets there, but, I mean, he's a good defender, good build, long wingspan. And, I mean, I think he's a has the potential to be a good catch-and-shoot guy. I don't think he's ever going to be, like, a primary option on offense. I don't really see that unless he goes to, like, somewhere like San Antonio where they can really unlock his potential. But even then, I don't know if he can really do that. But I think, like, uh, maybe Robert Covington type guy, something like that. Yeah. Good defender. Yeah, I mean, I I used to work in the G League, and Robert Covington has come a long way from when he was with uh, RGV. I mean, he's really Mm – you know, developed his skill set and he's, you know, coming to like a defined role as a, a switchy, a switchy defender that can knock down open shot. But the funny thing about Robert Covington is dude is like a rim protector, man. He was blocking yeah. shots like crazy in Houston. Like <laughs> he's basically a five now. <laughs> yeah. Well, before but now with all the changes in Houston the last couple of days. I have no clue what they're going to do because that team is is built for that, you know, Maury D'Antoni style play. All right, let's go to number eight. You got Denny Avdia. And who is your comparison for Denny? This is also somewhat tough. So I had, like, I think his ceilings, like, Hito, Turkoglu. Like, I think his realistics, like, probably Andre Karolinko. Just, like, a really, really good defender, good team player, good passer. Not really a like primary option on offense, but a complimentary complimentary guy that can handle the ball a little bit. Yeah, I, I think this was tough for me because like as far as Haydu, he's not as big and mm-hmm. Turgaloo yeah. at worst, you know, you know he was a shooter. Like he, he was a knockdown shooter. But he yeah. could run the, the offense. He was ahead of his time. I mean, I, I know he would love to play in today's NBA. I had opportunity when I lived in Istanbul to have uh, dinner with him a couple times. And, and I'm like, I kept thinking, like, dang. If, if he played in another era, era, sorry, he would be, I mean, he would, he'd be a high-level all-star, in my opinion. 6'10", yeah. could shoot could uh, push the rock. And then it just kind of shows that that, uh, that 2010 Orlando Magic team was also ahead of its time because they played. Oh, yeah. They were really good. Yeah, one in, four out. They had floor spacers. And to me, he was their best playmaker on the mm-hmm. team. So then he's not as big and he's not as good of a shooter. Um, only time will tell if he ever develops into that type of a shooter. Uh, and then um, Karolinko would be interesting because I think Jonathan Isaac is the black Karolinko. <laughs> I, I yeah. think that their comparisons are, are similar as far as like 
three, four shot blocking wing that can defend multiple positions. So if Isaac ever can remain healthy, I think Karolinko is his, is his ceiling. Um, but yeah, it's hard for me to find a comparison for Denny. Um, I mean, I've heard people say Luca, in a sense, not without the Luca without the thirty point per game scoring, but just yeah. as far as like, you know, a big wing slash guard that can um, run the offense. I definitely think that that um, Denny should get more opportunities to play as a playmaker. I feel yeah. like Maccabi most of the season kind of had him in the corner and they didn't really, you know, utilize his full skill package until their playoffs. But yeah, it's, it's tough for me to find a comparison to, to Denny. I think like his lowest ceiling is like Jetty Osmond in a sense. Um, but you don't draft him as a lottery pick to be Osmond. So yeah, I could see like his, his floor being like Evan Turner, maybe something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if the jump shot never improves, then yeah, Evan Turner could be a a, a good comparison. All right. Yeah, so his, his ceiling definitely depends on his jumper and how his offensive game develops. Because if it doesn't, I think he's just like a a really good role player or like a solid starter for someone. Which I don't. I wouldn't draft that top five. But yeah, I mean, I I, I like him. I could see him going top five because. I think like on most championship level teams, they had a guy that was a four that could push the ball and make plays. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, you you go back to the Bulls, you had like Kukoc came off the bench and he could get the rebound at 6'11". He could push the rock, make plays. You saw how, how good the Lakers were with Odom in that role. Yeah. And then even like with Golden State, I mean, you still had your – Clay and your Steph doing the scoring and your and Durant, but they had Draymond who could be a, a matchup nightmare in a sense because he could run the offense at the four spot, even the five, yeah. run pick and rolls and, and so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's tough to to match up with a team that has a four man that's running the offense and you're running like four one pick and pops or yeah. four five pick and rolls. So I think Denny in my opinion, is going to be like a best case scenario, like a complimentary all-star, like a like a Lamar Odom, Draymond Green, Tony Kukoc type guy that if he's your third best player, he's a perfect piece to surround with, you know, your, your two all-stars. Yeah, I like that comp. I like that Kukoc comp. I can see that. Yeah. All right. So here's here's the big one in my opinion, the toughest one. You know, the word unicorn has been thrown around a little loosely the last few years, but Alexei Pokashevsky has unicorn skill set. Who will you compare him to? So, oh, this is a hard one. Um, I compare him to, like, Lamar Odom. I think his passing is just so special, and his – I don't know. He just doesn't really have a ton of weaknesses, in my opinion, other than his frame just being so small and his level of competition wasn't very good. But I think Odom, like, a good point forward who can pass the ball, shoot the ball a little bit, get other guys involved and play some pretty good defense, I think could be a similar player to Odom in a sense. Maybe yeah. a slightly better shooter. For me, 
I, mean, I can see some flashes of Odom. For me, it's probably a lazy comparison because I'm comparing him to his fellow countrymen. But I see him as a super skinny Jokic. Yeah, yeah, I can see that too. I mean, he's not going to be able to like transition from point guard, floor spacer to bully ball <laughs> like Jokic can. But I mean, like skill wise, very similar. And I've mentioned before, I've had the opportunity to watch him live and I, you know, I saw like the best and the worst of him. But yeah, I mean, he's a natural wing or a natural guard in a sense, as far as like the way he moves and how fluid he is, how he sees the court, his passing. I think that he has the potential to be a much better defender than Jokic because if he ever got that motor going, he'd be a shot blocker. He has the, oh, yeah. you know, the coordination to be able to defend multiple positions. You know, at his best, he can get multiple steals. And, yeah, I think that he's a – it's – I mean, the only word I can think of for him is, like, a weapon, like a guy that you can put in multiple roles if he reaches his maximum potential. I think yeah. at the worst-case scenario, you could end up using him as a – a floor spacer that can make passes for others, kind of like a Joe Ingles, like a seven-foot Joe Ingles, worst-case scenario. And then how, um, you know, how dangerous would your offense be if he ends up turning out to be Ingles, but you got a seven-footer that's knocking down shots that can be a secondary playmaker. But then best-case scenario, depending on his mentality, is you got a seven-foot center that, you can run the offense through. He can get the rebound and he can bring the ball up court. And I think like Jokic made Jamal Murray's life so much easier. Oh yeah. Murray just really had a chance to focus on scoring. And then he's become a much better passer like this year. But before yeah. it seemed like he was all about, you know, buckets. And so he didn't have to be put in the box as a point guard. He had to, you know, he could uh, just kind of focus on what he was good at and improve over time. So, yeah, I mean, to me, that would be my comparison. It may be lazy because I'm comparing comparing him to another, you know, seven-foot skilled Serbian. But, yeah, I think he's just uh, Jokic light, skinny version. Yeah, I can see that. I'm very interested to see where he lands because I think that's that's very, very important for him. Yeah. Because I I think, like, somewhere like San Antonio or, or Portland, somewhere that has, like, already has talent in place and has like a good staff that can develop him and get him to where he can be. I think somewhere like that, I'd be excited for him. Yeah. So like Sacramento. Like, nah. Sacramento I don't think would be a good fit. Well, it's kind of tough because, you know, they have a new front office and so we can't really, it's not fair to judge them, the new guys over the, the past 20 years. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but yeah, I think like Boston would be a good situation for him because yeah, there, there's no need for him to come in and contribute right away. Um, yeah, Portland, I'm a Blazers fan, so I wouldn't mind seeing him in Portland. Um, yeah, like I say, it's kind of hard because you don't want to compare a current situation to past. Like in most cases, I would say I, I wouldn't want him in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. But I figure like Monty Williams has has definitely like brought a different a different life to that organization. Yeah. And then um, you know, like with James, 
James Jones is now like I think he's their GM. So it's it's unfair to compare them to like, you know, the same group that had like Josh Jackson and and drafted Bender high yeah. and all that. So yeah. All right, so let's move on to number 10. You got James Wiseman. So you have Wiseman lower than most. This is probably the lowest I've seen him. And what is your comparison for, for Wiseman? So I have, like, a combination of Ibaka and Miles Turner, which, I mean, still a really good center. I just – I don't know. I'm still skeptical on Wiseman, which I don't have the access to, like, EYBL stuff and Team USA stuff and stuff like that and, like, practices and everything. So I haven't got to see everything, obviously. I just saw, like, Memphis and some high school games. But I'm still kind of pessimistic on him. I don't know if he's ever going to be more than, like, a solid pick-and-pop guy from mid-range and just a really good finisher and a really good shot blocker and rim runner. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be much more than that. But, I mean, I think he could be depending on where he lands and couldn't just be completely wrong on his sailing because I haven't really got to see that much of him just because of limited sample size in Memphis. All right. So based off of your comparisons, you are buying into him becoming a pretty good floor spacer. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and for, and I know you said like a limited sample size, because um, I, I, I want to say at Memphis, he probably made like maybe one or two jump shots. It was mostly just activity, rim running, you know, you know, vertical live threat. So what did you see that makes you feel like he can develop into an outside shooter? I feel like in high school he was a pretty above average shooter. And I think that could translate into the NBA level. I just don't think with the amount of games he really had the opportunity to be able to shoot as much as he would have been able to if he would have played a whole year and maybe shown that potential a little bit more. But if you're going off like this year, I could I could see like Whiteside being a comparison or like Tristan Thompson maybe, even though I think he can be a lot better than that. Or not a lot better, but a little bit better than Tristan Thompson, something like that. Okay. All right, now we're going to number 11. Uh, this is the highest I've seen Tyrell Terry. So what are your comparisons to Tyrell Terry? Now, actually, before you get into yours, I, I appreciate the fact that your comparisons weren't the typical ones I've seen. I keep seeing Steph Curry, Trey Young. So that wasn't on your list. Who is your comparison for Tyrell Terry? I forgot who I put. I the, who did I? I have on here Jason Terry. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did have Jason Terry. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm even higher on him now than I was after. I mean, I think he grew like another inch maybe and put on a little bit of weight and he looks a little bit more explosive. So I think his ceiling can maybe even be higher than that. And he may be in my top five before the draft ends. Oh, wow. But I think so you got like uh, you got 30 days to the draft yeah. around, give or take a few days. That's I mean, that's high. I haven't seen him as high as 11 so you must be really really high on him if you're thinking that you're going to move him up in the next in the next month mm -hmm. so why do yeah, you like as far as like his ceiling what do you think his ceiling is this is going to be old school and maybe like mike bevy on the kings 
Something like that. That makes me feel old. <laughs> Mike Vivi is old school. <laughs> I, I want to say, I think Mike was class of 96. So he's like a year older than me. I was a senior in high school when Arizona won the national championship. And I, I'll never forget that because, when, you know, when I did my pool, I predicted Arizona to win. And I was like one of the few people that predicted that. And I was more so because Michael Dickerson was like one of my favorite players. And then I just thought Arizona was dope because their shoes were different. Like Bibby was wearing like the, the phone posits and, and all mm-hmm. of that. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean, that would be, that's not a bad comparison. I think that he may have a little bit more wiggle to his game and yeah. may go to the rack a little bit more than Bibby. But Bibby kind of changed Sacramento around. I mean, Weber was their, you know, their guy, but they became a more stable team once um, they swapped out Jason Williams for Vibby, he brought the balance and the outside shooting and and um yeah, I mean they were a play away from going to the NBA finals. finals. So uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean I don't think that's a bad comparison. I actually kinda like the Jason Terry one a little bit more, considering that Jason Terry was on that Arizona team with Mike Vibby. Yeah. Uh because I think with like Terry early in his career, he started off as a point guard and then he settled into a role as a you know, a six man, but he was also the guy that closed games. Yeah. And so to me, closing is more important than finishing. And so, yeah, I kind of like that comparison where Jason Terry could be your one, but he could also be your, you know, an undersized two. And he's another guy that I'm sure he wishes that he played in today's NBA because he shot threes. He shot a lot of threes back when the league wasn't so three-point heavy and so yeah i'm sure he wishes like man if i played in today's nba i'd be a close to a max player <laughs> i think All another right. scene i'd have for him is probably uh shoot who, who was i just thinking oh uh, cj mccollum maybe like his ultimate ceiling yeah i mean cj got that the ball handling and offensive one-on-one creativity that's not too many guys like CJ. I mean, yeah. And it's funny because you know what he's doing in a sense. You know he's not necessarily going to the rack. You know he's just going to, you know, rhythm, rhythm, dribble, dribble, snatch, step back, pull up. I'm a Blazers fan, so I'm biased, but I love watching, watching yeah. CJ play. And I hope the Blazers never split Dame and CJ up. I know a lot of people are calling for that, but I, yeah, I, I don't want to say that. Either. He's a Hornets fan. All right, so now we're at number 12. You got Tyrese Halliburton. And who are your comparisons for Tyrese? So I think my favorite comp, I'll move him down actually a little bit. I think my favorite comp for him is probably Lonzo. That's the that's mine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's... I, don't, I don't, like I can't really find another one. I saw like, I mean, maybe, I, don't know. I was going to say Michael Carter-Williams, but that's that's a – that's underselling him a little bit. I think he can be better than that, but well, if he's Michael Carter Williams with a jumper and a little bit better passer, I don't think that's, you know, I don't think that's far fetched. Because yeah. Michael Carter Williams, if he had a a jumper, which he's improved a little bit. I mean, early in his career, it was <laughs> nothing at all. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't think that's a bad comparison at all. Both big point guards. Um, 
not necessarily engines, but guys that could defend multiple positions. And, you know, I, I mean, obviously, like I said, Halliburton is a, a much better shooter. But I think Lonzo, I think he can be a better version of Lonzo. And uh, my brother believes that eventually Lonzo is going to have to move to the three because he doesn't put the ball on the floor. And in today's NBA, how many point guards don't run pick and rolls or aren't a threat to really get downhill? And yeah. if he just becomes a floor spacer, then he could end up being like a floor spacing, ball moving wing as opposed to a point guard, which, you know, it's possible. Yeah. And I think uh, my, my favorite fit for Halliburton would probably be Atlanta. But I wouldn't – I would probably trade down to take him. I just, like – I really like that fit behind Trey. They're, like, polar opposite players. Yeah. And I just think that's a really good fit for him. I don't know if I really like any of the other fits for him in the top ten because I just don't really think he's a top ten player, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, my fit in the top ten of what well, of the teams in the top ten – is if Golden State trades down yeah, and they get, that. you know, another player that they can add to their rotation and then they end up getting him. And I think he could fit in with that offense because there would be really no pressure on him to do anything but come off the bench, knock down open shots and serve as a, like, fourth playmaker or, you know, second playmaker in the second unit or whatever. So I think that would be the best fit for him um, because, like I said, there would be absolutely no pressure. He would just slide into being a role player. I think any yeah, other team. Yeah, the timeline, too. Yeah. Because yep. he can play right away. He wouldn't take too long to, to get too many minutes. So. Yeah, because I think with any other team he goes to and he they plug him in as a starting point guard on day one, then you're expecting him to somewhat be the engine. Wow. Yeah. Golden State or even Atlanta, there's no pressure on him there. Yeah. All right, so now we're down to 13. You got Sadiq Bay. I'm a Blazers fan, and I want Sadiq Bay, Sadiq Bay in Portland at 16. Based off of your list, he wouldn't be available. And to me, this is somewhat of a tough comparison also yeah. because he, he – um, I don't really know if there's a player in the NBA that is like a hybrid 3-4 that is a 40% shooter from three that can also be a point forward if, if you need. Yeah. So who did you compare him to? I compared him to Tobias Harris, but I don't, I don't feel great about that one because he's just such a good defender. He can put the ball on the floor, like you said, make passes for his teammates, and he's a really, really good shooter. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't really find a good one for him. I, I think he's just like the perfect role player. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I've been really high on him, even since last year at Villanova. He looked really good. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think he's a, you know, like I, I'm saying, I want him in Portland. I think he's a ideal complementary piece to what the Blazers have. But I think he can go anywhere. You can plug in, put him in any situation, and he will just kind of enhance the players around him because he does so many things well. But, yeah, Tobias Harris – I like Tobias. I, I've always wondered, like, why he keeps moving around so much. Because I think he went from, like, Milwaukee, Orlando, Detroit, Clippers, um, Sixers. And then he got 
on a ridiculous contract. Shout out to him because I read he negotiated his own contract. So he saved himself a lot of money on his agent fees. And now I think he's stuck in Philly. Like it's gonna be hard for him to be moving yeah, that contract. But he's like a really good player. But it's hard because you don't necessarily always see guys that are like good players. And I've never heard anything about him like character-wise. But I just wonder why he keeps like moving around. I know when he entered the the league, he was super young. Like he was, he finished after his freshman year, but I want to say he may have been like 18. Mm-hmm. So even now, if you look at, I don't know how many years he's played in the league, but he's a lot younger age-wise than than you would, you would expect for yeah. a guy that seems like he's been in the league for. 10 years all right so now uh, the last one for today um is isaac okoro who do you compare okoro to like what is your best case scenario for him my best case scenario is jimmy and after seeing him in the playoffs i think that's even like pushing a little bit just because how good jimmy's been i think a more realistic one would be like gerald wallace just like a really really good wing defender a uh, really good team defender, uh, can slash to the rim. Not really a great shooter, offensive player, but just a really good defender and athlete, slasher, that type of guy. You know, the Jimmy comparisons, like on one hand, somebody could say that's crazy, but I think the only thing that's stopping him from being like the next Jimmy Butler is having Jimmy's work ethic because – Jimmy's, I mean, he's obviously talented. It takes talented talent to get to the NBA, no doubt about that. But Jimmy's like self-made in a sense, just all off of yeah. just hard work and, and work ethic. I read one summer he stayed in a mansion and he had like no TVs. He worked out three times a day. And it's all like drive and determination and work ethic. And Okoro is obviously a better prospect at the same age more skill at the same age and so if he had jimmy's work ethic then i think the sky's the limit for him like to be honest if i'm a coral and i look at a, a jimmy butler type i'm reaching out to him and saying hey can i work out with you what what is your what is your routine who who's your trainer who what yeah. you know i want to do everything that that you did and i think that if he did that, the sky would be the limit because Butler came into the league known as just a defender. Yeah. And then we've all heard the stories. Uh, you know, he went to junior college, to Marquette and all of that. So his is just all like putting in the work. And if a coral can put in the work like that, then I definitely think that he could be a very high level all-star Olympian type franchise player. So, yeah, I can see that. I can see that as a ceiling. I'm just if his jumper doesn't get there, I think that's the, that's the main thing. If his jumper gets there, I think he's he's going to be an all star caliber player just because his two way impact. But if he doesn't, I think he's just going to be like a really really good wing defender, which is, I mean, very very important nowadays. But yeah, but he'd so, have to add shooting because if he doesn't, oh, he yeah, becomes yeah. Andre Roberson. Who yeah, it's true who, you know, just five years ago, Andre Roberson could be a starter on the NBA team, actually a starter on a, you know, a, a contender. But I think in today's NBA, as it is played right now, Andre Roberson is not going to be able to get 
any minutes on a contender because in the playoffs, teams are going to send doubles off of his yeah. man, and it's just going to make life hell for, you know, the best offensive player on his team. So the key is jump shot. And to me, I, I believe that the easiest thing to work on, the easiest thing to add, unless you don't have any touch. But I think that he does have enough touch to where he can be a good player, a good shooter. Because, you know, in my opinion, nobody's played since March. It is yeah. mid-October right now. Every player has had a lot of time, almost two off seasons in a sense, to work on their weaknesses. And, you know, hopefully he's been making two to three hundred corner threes every day for the past few months. If he's done that, then he should be fine. Yeah. All right, man, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I'm going to ask you to come back to, to finish out your, your first round. We stopped at 14. Um, and I, I know you mentioned that you have, like, your own – is it your own website? Or um, I do, like, NFL draft writing for uh, – it's called steelcityunderground.com. I just okay. do, like, mock drafts, scouting reports, stuff like that. And I just so you, figured – You do for football and basketball? Yeah, I just uh, – I just started doing basketball, like, this year, just kind of interested in doing it because I just graduated in high school last year. So I'm just kind of uh -huh. seeing – what I want to do. Well, man, props to you. Man, I knew you look young, but the fact that, you know, you, you got the old school, you know, <laughs> you, you mentioned a few players that are, you know, from a previous era. So kind of reminds me of me when I was like in high school, I knew I was, I was a big sports junkie. You know what I'm saying? Like I knew the stats of the guys that were, you know, the generation before me, I used to follow football heavily and mm -hmm. now I'm just, pretty much strictly basketball. So, yeah. yeah, props to you, man. Just keep on writing and, and, and doing, you know, what, what you love. You can end up making it a profession because yeah. obviously the passion the passion is there behind it. So, but, yeah, thanks again for coming on. Um, like I said, I'd love to have you on again to finish out your, your big board. This one is a little unique because you gave all player comparisons which a lot of people are, some people are kind of scared to, to go yeah. for comparisons. And then, like, I had mentioned it to someone else on a previous podcast, and he said he just kind of really stays away from them. So, um, yeah, man, like I said, I, I enjoyed this one because it, it was a little different. So yeah, Thank you for having me on again. Yeah, no problem, man, anytime. So um, I'll, I'll reach out to you offline, and then we can set up uh, part two. All right, once again, it's Raphael, Thank you. NBA Drive Junkies. I got my guy Chase. He just gave his his uh, his lottery big board with comparison. So check it out. Stay tuned for part two. Again, it's Raphael, NBA Draft Junkies, and I'm out.